Hello, this is Andy Tofano, the author of The Violence-Free Workplace, a blueprint for utilizing professional security officers to prevent and respond to workplace violence. And this book was published in October of 2020 by Routledge. It's a Taylor and Francis group. And the website is routledge.com. That's R-O-U-T-L-E-D-G-E. Com. So I would encourage all of you listeners to get a copy of the book if you are in the uh, business of protecting your organization's uh, personnel, whether it be people who are employed, people who visit, people who casually stroll through, really anyone who frequents an organization's physical boundaries should have the assurance that they are free of being uh, violated, free of being victims. So this book will be an excellent resource for you, regardless if you are a loss prevention director, security director, security manager, senior stakeholder within the organization, and even the senior managers. So I, I've spent some uh, time over my 30 plus years of being in the security safety loss prevention business to put together some um, useful uh, ideas, philosophies, um, hopefully wisdom that will help each of you to perform uh, at your, your best and your uh, goal, desire, attempt to provide a violence-free workplace. So in this uh, podcast series, I'll cover the 12 chapters in the, uh, in the book. And I'm going to start off, there's 12 chapters plus an introduction section. And so I'm going to do the best I can to provide an introduction with some commentary. And then I will go through each of the 12 chapters and provide an overview as well. I'll try to keep these, uh, these uh, uh, recordings to about 20 minutes. And I know that a lot of you have extremely busy lives. And maybe um, while you're sitting in traffic, maybe to and from your... Um, place of operations that you can listen to some of these uh, audio podcasts of the book in each of the chapters. And you can also go to, uh, I have uh, uh, two places you could find me, but uh, primarily my website is uh, psost.org, psost.org. And then on YouTube, I have a violence-free workplace channel, and I also have some videos that are um, available there as well. So I'll put the PowerPoint out there. And if any of you are interested in having me come speak to um, a group, of a group at your location, at your business or your organization, uh, feel free to email me, andy at goldstartraining.org. Be more than happy to come out and uh, have that talk in person. And if you'd like to use the textbook, the book for uh, teaching training sessions for your people. I'm also happy to provide some more teaching training materials along with the PowerPoints. And again, I'm always here to assist with that. I'm also a uh, college professor teaching in the communications department for over 20 years. I've been teaching about 25 years, so I've been in the teaching training arena and the loss prevention security safety business uh, for about um, a little bit longer than that. So in my uh, era area of, of expertise, it is uh, in the area of teaching and training, and specifically communication, conflict management, and that's what uh, 
drove me to put together these ideas formally. I've talked about them and written about them over the years in various magazine articles and talks I've done, but this is the second published work that I have uh, been able to accomplish, and I've had a couple of other um, books as well that I've prepared, written. So I'm very passionate about these ideas, and uh, I think they're very important. And at some level, I'm not sure that our organizations take these ideas and the protection of people as serious as they could or should. So you may find that theme throughout these podcasts. So let's start off with, I'm going to give you an overview of the problems that I addressed throughout uh, the writings. So 12 chapters, so identify 12 problems. There's, there's more problems, more challenges, more concerns that you'll find in the book, but these are the, the chapter headings, and then I deal with some of these subheadings, which are some of the uh, problems also associated with the themes. So chapter one, uh, the problem that's identified there. So I'm going to list the 12 problems in the chapters. Organizations employ ineffective and counterproductive organizational safety models. The second one, the security industry as a whole and individual organizations that employ security officers have failed to create a unique and distinct effective professional identity. Third, organizations are unable to effectively manage and resolve workplace conflict and violence without damaging their public reputation. Four, Organizations are unable to formulate effective workplace violence prevention policies that guide their security officers' activities. Five, organizations are unable to formulate effective use of force policies that prioritize the protection of people and mitigate their financial, legal, and civil exposure. Six, organizations continue to recruit, hire, and retain security officers who are unable to effectively process workplace conflict and mitigate the effects of workplace violence. Seven, Organizations employ untrained security officers who are unprepared to process workplace conflict and mitigate the effects of workplace violence. Eight organizations have failed to require their security officers to meet a reliable set of required core competencies. Nine security officers don't use communication effectively to diffuse interpersonal tension when processing workplace conflict. Ten security officers are not prepared for the unique challenges of processing uncooperative dangerous or violent behaviors directed against their vulnerable populations. 11. Security officers aren't adequately trained in the use of protective tactics and tools. And finally, number 12. Organizations don't have a reliable accountability system in place for evaluating their security officers' use of protective action. Okay, so those are the 12 problems, at least the main 12 problems or issues that I address, cover, discuss uh, in the book. So now I'm going to go through the PowerPoint that I've created for each of the chapters. And so if you get access to the PowerPoint and if you need access to it, I'm gonna, uh, this will be up at uh, my website, psost.org, and I'll have a link up there that you can um, download the PowerPoint. And so I think I have um, 13 PowerPoints uh, that are connected to this uh, podcast. So I'll try to do um, one podcast per chapter approximately. So there may be 13 or 14. We'll see. The problem that I will have is that I will, want, I will provide additional commentary 
I'm recording this in uh, August of 2021. So most of the issues that are uh, presented in the textbook are certainly current and accurate and useful and, and profitable. But uh, I'll maybe bring in some current events as well as examples of some of the things that I've uh, written about, talked about, some of the things I'm passionate about. So if you want to follow along, I have the page number in the book uh, that's associated with each of the slides. So um, here we go. So the violence-free workplace, um, as the subheading uh, details, it's a blueprint for those organizations that would like to use security officers, uniformed professional security officers. Now I know that some of you listening uh, are in the loss prevention business and you may have undercover folks or plainclothes folks and these ideas will also apply to the to personnel, safety security personnel, whether they're uniformed or not. But primarily we're discussing uniformed security officers that have a visual presence as well as um, their ability to act and react and to prevent and dissuade certain types of uh, conflict and or violent behaviors. So the Violence-Free Workplace, Chapter 1, uh, Page 1, the problem identified here is organizations build their workplace violence program preventions. They build their workplace violence prevention programs on incompatible public safety principles. So this is going to be a major theme throughout the textbook that organizations use incompatible public safety principles. And secondarily, they often hire uh, uh, personnel that uh, don't have experience dealing with uh, violence or conflict in a private setting. And again, uh, throughout the text, you're going to see these ideas juxtaposed and compare and contrasted between public uh, safety, uh, public principles of safety and security versus private principles of safety and security and the kind of personnel that are having a much better opportunity or chance at resolving and mitigating and reducing conflict and violence than people who have very limited experience in the private sector. As an entrepreneur, you're going to find a lot of the things that I, I write about. I write about from the perspective as a private individual working in the business of providing high levels of personal protection primarily and as an entrepreneur understanding the relationship between the consumers and employees uh, profit and loss and the principles the basic principles of entrepreneurial um, entities so here, the main problem we're discussing here in the first chapter is that organizations that, uh, that attempt to mitigate workplace violence and pr provide work violence-free workplaces oftentimes are using incompatible public safety principles. Successful organizations do perform many tasks, but few more important than serving and protecting their employees, their consumers, and their visitors. An organization's ability to successfully manage workplace conflict and resolve violence is a key to an organization's success. The truth is, regardless of how great an organization's product or service is, it's impossible to compete in any face-to-face -face market if employees, consumers, and visitors uh, feel that they're at risk. And it is true that consumers have choices, plenty of choices. Now, since I'm recording this, 
kind of uh, still in the middle or towards the tail end of the pandemic or epidemic, uh, there's still significant changes in the markets that most of you are employed in. And in some cases, there are, uh, there's less of a volume of consumers coming to the various either healthcare facilities, colleges, and retail environments because they're able to do things whether it's video chats, whether it's uh, just phone calls, or having uh, products, items uh, delivered, including services delivered via um, remote um, technologies. So it's a, a bit of a change. However, uh, these ideas, especially for the face-to-face -face interactions, are still uh, imperatives for each of you if, if you're if you would like to have the most safe and secure environment that you could possibly produce. Let's talk about missions. It says here on page two, every organization that has successfully performed many of the required safety tasks have overlooked perhaps the most important and necessary organizational concern. That is how to best utilize professionally trained security officers to minimize organizational risk. That's a uh, organizational risk associated, connected to preventing people from harming employees, consumers, and others who frequent their business. So I think this is a, a kind of a, an, a good place to, uh, to start off because this is uh, what we all should be doing, how to best utilize the security personnel that we already have. So my basic assumption here would be that the organization that you are employed by or connected to believes not only that safety and security is important, but one way to prevent or to mitigate um, all sorts of problems with interpersonal problems, potential interpersonal conflict, and then escalating uh, behaviors associated with failing to manage conflict, which is violence and workplace violence particularly, that you have your security officers, your security personnel, and how do we best use them uh, to accomplish these goals? Because I know there are organizations that have some fantastic security personnel and maybe even uh, well-trained security personnel, but the processes for resolving conflict are not, um, they're not robust enough to really make a real impact. So we're gonna talk about that as well. So every organization uh, should have, and most of you probably do already have a workplace violence prevention plan, right? So you have to have a plan to respond to and prevent workplace violence. And you also have need reliable processes to uh, that are in place to process and resolve violence. On page two and three, we talk about uh, the different plans, details. And again, most of you already have this. I know this may sound very, very basic, but even organizations that have good plans, they don't know how to utilize their security personnel to achieve positive outcomes or they just don't know how to execute the plan. So in most cases, an organization's policy will be we need a plan, uh, whether it's state or federal OSHA says you have to have a plan. And within these different various contexts like healthcare or colleges or retail, there may be some regulatory requirements to have a plan and to have people involved in that process and even the reporting of violence on your um, within the organizations that um, you work for so here's a couple of ideas about these plans so here's a plan detail 
Policies that require all workers to interact with consumers, they should receive education training and an opportunity to discuss questions and answers with a knowledgeable person about the organization's, about the organization's workplace violence plan. Two, training. They should have training on how to recognize potential violence and when and how to seek assistance to prevent or respond to violence. Third, advanced verbal de-escalation and protective training for the officers particularly who regularly deal with workplace conflict. Four, employees employ employee resources for coping with incidents of violence, including but not limited to critical incident stress debriefing and an employee, employee assistance program. Uh, fifth, fifthly, organization uh, information on how to report violent incidences to law enforcement. And also, uh, sixth, a process for responding to and investigating violent incidences. Seven, a system for documenting and reporting violent acts, and then lastly, eight, uh, complete and total support from senior leadership. Now those, uh, that is a good plan, and then how we take each one of those eight points and prepare um, a process for executing them is part of the, uh, part of the conversation that we'll uh, be engaged in here over the next couple of uh, podcast episodes. Page three. The role of the professional security officer. Security officers play an important role in managing and resolving interpersonal conflict, protecting people, and maintaining violence-free workplaces. Unless security officers are mission-focused, trained, given appropriate behavioral boundaries, and ethically led, their activities will have very little impact on workplace violence reduction. On page four and five, we talk about evaluating risk. Since organizations are legally and socially required to maintain violence-free environments that provide a reasonable level of due care, really that applies to anyone that frequents the organization, including employees, consumers, visitors, and others. The consequences for failing to successfully process workplace conflict are potential legal, financial, and social catastrophes. And you know there's plenty of examples where organizations have failed and they've been held liable for injuries and unfortunately sometimes uh, for people's uh, deaths. So we need a comprehensive system. On page five, a comprehensive workplace violence prevention system should support an organization's core organizational safety policies such as establishing organizational standards for acceptable behaviors and I normally call that the code of conduct. Secondly, enacting legal, administrative, and social processes to processes to deal with safety violators. Third, maintaining consistency in the application of consequences for safety violators. Utilizing, fourthly, utilizing trained personnel, especially security officers, who uphold the organization's safety standards and restrain violators from causing harm. So that is a, a fairly comprehensive uh, system. So establish the standards for behavior and then uh, enforce and uphold those and be consistent in that application and utilize trained professional personnel to help uphold them. And so when there are violations and violators, that there are ways safely to process and deal with them to mitigate um, violence and harm to others. Page seven, there are some specific distinctions and definitions that um, I'm using throughout the textbook and they may be somewhat unique to some of you listening. I'm really trying to distinguish between law enforcement uh, verbiage and private sector verbiage. And I think it's really important that we, we um, have 
ways for us to understand these ideas within our context. So throughout the book, I'm going to use certain words, phrases, and I'll try to explain and describe some of my reasoning. Um, but some of this may be new to uh, my listeners, my readers. Early on, I identify some of these terminologies and provide some background and context for the deliberate language choices. And then since we're proposing for most organizations, what we're proposing is really a culture change. So if you are attempting a paradigm shift, a big culture change, which I, I think we need, uh, then that really has to do with verbiage and um, the types of words and the way we describe our activities. They need to be clear and we need to all have an understanding of, of the, the verbiage we use to explain these changes because we, if we're going to empower this paradigm shift, that is a very important component of change. Page seven, uh, language choice, and um, a couple of that I've previously mentioned, but um, we're talking about private free market organizational safety principles, and we're going to compare and contrast those to public law enforcement community safety philosophies. We're also going to compare and contrast private security officers from public law enforcement officers. We're going to talk about untrained basic security guards from professionally trained security officers. And we're also going to talk about the difference between protective force, which we use in the private market sector, from use of force, which is primarily a law enforcement description of how they interact with resistors. So this is important to understand these different, compare and contrast these ideas, and that's going to be an important focus throughout the book. So the professional security officer on page 8, we define that as, um, I use a couple of bullet points to define it. Again, this is a non-exhaustive non list. You may have, you may not like one of those or maybe want to add to it, but here's um, some ideas. A professional security officer, they're managed and led by a security director, a manager, or a senior non-security manager uh, with experience with, if they're not led by a security director or manager, and they're led by a senior non-security manager. Uh, ideally, it's a non-security manager who obviously has other responsibilities besides security, but they should have experience leading security personnel. It's really difficult for anybody to lead personnel when they've actually never done the job that the personnel that they're managing or leading do. And it, it doesn't matter, you can pick a vocation, it doesn't matter, we're talking specifically about um, protection and safety and security, but and it's not unique to that. There's plenty of times within organizations, maybe you've worked for somebody who was your boss, and you in fact had more experience and knowledge and wisdom than your boss did. And as long as they were an effective leader, that typically may not be uh, really much of a problem. But Oftentimes in the security safety protection business, the way organizations set up their hierarchy, in many cases, the security, uh, the top security person, this top safety person reports to an individual that has multiple responsibilities, including safety or security, and that individual has little or no experience, not only, not, any, not only working in that component of business, but maybe not even having great leadership skills in allowing the uh, subject matter experts that they um, manage or lead to allow them to uh, make some decisions about what's best. 
Okay, so uh, the professional security officer is managed and led by a security director or manager, uh, uh, and again, or a non-security manager. Uh, secondly, prof they're professionally trained. Thirdly, they're obligated to protect employees and consumers. So this is beyond observe and report. So if they um, observe conflict, workplace conflict, and escalating conflict, they are required, I say obligated, either by policy or, or, or just guidelines to actually intervene and protect employees and consumers. Fourthly, they're authorized to use protective tactics and tools. So that means they have to carry them, whatever those tactics and tools are. They need to be carry them, trained in them, and authorized to use them. And it would be at their discretion. The professional security officer also, uh, their job responsibilities are organized within a, within a security architecture. Their activities are integrated with other organizational departments. They operate within a quasi-military chain of command or hierarchy. They wear a uniform that's best suited for their environment. So that would be the general definition of what we would call a professional security officer. Um, and again, we're juxtaposing that to a basic contract security guard or, or officer. And let's talk about uh, the role of setting on page 10. Task effectiveness, uh, contributory factors, and the same people getting different results. So task effectiveness is, is something that we um, ultimately will be responsible for. There are certain tasks that we're required to do within our business, and hopefully primarily it's about protecting people, and anything else will just be secondary for sure. But same people can get different results. So uh, in the military, people are, are uh, tasked with protecting people, obviously law enforcement, police. Police are tasked with protecting certain people. And then you have the context where, it, where they apply these ideas and one is public, one is private. And again, throughout the text, we're going to spend a lot more time on, on that and those, those um, different contexts, public versus private. So determining qualifications. Okay, so firstly, don't hire individuals to lead others who have never performed the job function of their followers. Leadership requires prior contextual experience to positively influence and influence followers. As a value, leadership doesn't always cross vocational boundaries, so you could be good at leading in one context, but not in another. When organizations hire inexperienced personnel to lead their workplace violence prevention program, they waste time, energy, resources, while the new personnel learn their job. So again, it doesn't really matter at what level, whether it's a basic security officer, a basic security agent, um, it doesn't matter if it's a PSD person, somebody that's, that's, that's hired to provide personal protection. This is, this is an important um, idea that if organizations continue to hire people who have no, never done the job that they're now required to do and to lead others that do the job that they've never done, it takes, even for in the best set of circumstances with fantastic leadership skills and great character, there's still a huge learning curve. And oftentimes, when new security managers, directors are hired, it's because they need to get, there's a, there's a problem, or there has been a problem that needs to be solved immediately, and uh, they need to really hit the ground running. And a lack of experience, uh, definitely, even in the best circumstances, takes a long time to get those people up to speed. Okay, so uh, finally, let's talk about recommendations on page 11. These are the recommendations for chapter 1. 
Okay, develop workplace violence strategies, uh, develop workplace violence prevention strategies that, that are based on private free market principles. Secondly, employee security officers have the personality and temperament to balance the principles of personal protection with customer service when processing interpersonal workplace conflicts and conflict and violence. Thirdly, don't place newly hired employees into leadership positions until they've proven they could lead private security officers in a private market. Those are important. Okay, so that is um, an overview of Chapter 1 using the uh, PowerPoint that, I, that I've prepared for you. So um, if you're just listening to this and you have questions, um, you could certainly email me, andy at goldstartraining.org. I'm going to try to keep these at under 30 minutes, do the best I can. The hard part is I'm very passionate about these ideas. I've written, talked about these ideas for years, and it's hard not to provide additional commentary, so I'll do the best I can to limit it to 30 minutes. Okay, so if there's anything that uh, you liked uh, and you want to talk about it, email me. If there's anything that you think I'm way off base, I'm also open to hearing those those criticisms and comments. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can to be better. So I'm open to that as well, okay? So uh, be safe and uh, look forward to uh, having you listen to the uh, next uh, 12 or 13 um, podcast episodes, okay? Really appreciate you all listening and um, if anything I could do to help, you know where to find me. Thank you.